Hello and welcome to the Feminine Genius Podcast. This is a podcast that celebrates all women of God and their unique genius. I'm your host, Rachel Wong. Dear friends, I'm so excited to share this amazing story of conversion and partnership with God today. I'm pleased to introduce Claudine Noel. Claudine was raised in the Protestant faith and was on course to practice obstetrics. But when Claudine encountered a difficult season in her life, God proved that he was always present and this journey ultimately led her to be received into the Catholic Church in 2012. Praise God! Now, Claudine continues to work as a physician while also coaching women through her coaching practice, Feminine Genius Coaching. In this episode, I talk to Claudine about her conversion story, what drove her to practice medicine, and how she helps women get unstuck with the help of the feminine genius. Hi, Claudine. Hi, Rachel. (laughs) How are you? I'm good. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. Oh, it's my pleasure. As a little context for our listeners, I remember when I first came across you on Instagram and your handle, and I know we're going to talk about this a little bit, is at Feminine Genius Coaching. So there's always something in my heart where I'm just like, ah, the feminine genius, we're kindred spirits. So thank you so much for spending some time with me. Maybe to start off for our listeners, would you mind sharing a little bit of who you are and what you do right now? Sure. So my name is Claudine and I'm a convert to Catholicism and in my day job, I'm a physician, but I am also a life coach. So I'm really excited to be here and share my story because my mission as a coach is really to work with other Catholic women who might feel stuck like I did in certain areas of their lives and maybe they have a pretty good handle on the faith part, but I help them to really combine that faith with inner work to help them get unblocked and unstuck. So I'm happy to be here. Wonderful. Now, I'm a cradle Catholic, and we Mm -hmm. like to talk about this idea of reversion or the fact where we've really started to seize the faith and see it as our own and take ownership for it. But like you've mentioned, you're a convert to Catholicism. What was life like for you prior to maybe meeting Jesus in this way and meeting Catholicism? Yeah, sure. So I was actually raised Protestant and faith was actually a pretty big part of my upbringing. So, you know, we went to Sunday school and church. You know, sometimes we went to church during the week to like Bible studies and youth activities and vacation Bible school in the summer. And so my mom, she actually worked hard to put us through Catholic school because she didn't want us to be in the public school system. So I was kind of surrounded by faith at home and then K through 12 in the Catholic school system. But I think like a lot of people, when I went to college, it's not that I lost my faith. But I wasn't, I guess, practicing as much as I did when I was growing up. So I wasn't really attending church very regularly. And I kind of went through this phase where I felt like, well, church is just the building and I can cultivate a relationship on my own with God. So I was kind of in my personal relationship with Jesus. But along the way, I would go to different churches. I would try out different denominations because I was definitely in this searching period as I hit like my mid-20s. And, you know, I actually even went to Catholic Mass a couple of times, 
And basically what happened is when I was in residency, so I finished medical school and I was in my first residency, I went through kind of a difficult season. And, you know, for the first time in my life, it felt like I was kind of going through more of a spiritual attack. I knew it wasn't like an issue with me and another person. It just felt heavier than that. So I was on call one night and I was literally Googling prayer for spiritual battle. (laughs) Yeah. And I actually came across the prayer to St. Michael, St. Michael, the archangel. And, you know, you have to understand as a Protestant, you know, we didn't pray to Mary, we didn't pray to saints, but St. Michael being an angel, I was okay with praying to him. And so I prayed that prayer. I prayed, there were a couple of Psalms that I prayed as well, 35 and 37. And to kind of make a long story short, I ended up switching residency programs. And even that I can see now God's hand was in that for sure, because in the past I was doing obstetrics and, you know, there's a lot of moral issues with that field with OBGYN. And, you know, I ended up moving to Baltimore, moving two blocks from the Baltimore Basilica, which I didn't know that at the time, but it happens to be, you know, America's first cathedral. So there's a lot of history there. Yeah, in terms of Catholicism. And basically, I was going home the first day from my new residency, I saw this beautiful garden on my way home. And I was like, Oh, what's this? And the garden was attached to the basilica. And so Something in that moment kind of clicked for me, and I realized that this wasn't all a coincidence. There was some synchronicity here with, you know, me switching residencies, me praying to St. Michael, me living so close to this basilica. I ended up sending off an email probably that same night just to inquire about RCIA. Wow. Yeah. And I ended up going through the process. And, you know, when I started, I actually was not... I wasn't one of those people in class who, you know, they were getting married in the church, so they had to convert. I really was in a searching and discernment phase. So I literally took it like step by step. Okay, do I believe this? Yes or no. And, you know, as I went through the, it's like a nine month formation type of program, you have to go through certain rites along the way. And I took it seriously. I took it very seriously because I wasn't going to stand up there and, you know, say I agree with this if I didn't. And yeah, I was received into the church in April of 2012. I was there alone. You know, my family did not support that decision. Mm. And I think they thought it was sort of a phase, but I can still say it was the best decision that I made. Wow. Oh my goodness. There's so much to that. But I think first and foremost, I just want to say, even though it was in 2012 and I didn't know you back then, but I just want to say, welcome home. Oh, thank you. That's incredible. Protestantism and, and Catholicism. Not like super, super different, but of course there are some fundamental differences. And then Mm -hmm. to go through that alone, like you said, you didn't have the support of your family at the time, and perhaps even now, to really go into a a different part of your life and enter into this phase. But knowing that even though you were maybe physically alone at that point, you entered into this brand new family, God was with you, and he always has been. And that is incredible. So just praise God for that courage. Oh my goodness. Yeah, thank you. And I always kind of chuckle to myself and I'm like, you knew all along, you know, he knew all throughout K through 12. And, you know, in high school, I was kind of that girl who was always challenging the religion Mm. teacher, (laughs) you know, like, oh, I don't agree with that. This is how Protestants do it. So just not really having that, I guess, understanding really of history and the history of Christianity at the time. But you know how teenagers can be very, (laughs) very confident and very sure of themselves, even if they're sure. So then after you were received into the church, what was that transition like? Because there might have been 
parts of you that were still maybe like straddling like two worlds even, whether it's like navigating that relationship with your family or even friends. And then of course, let's talk about the fact that being a physician is a big deal. There is so much that is required from you. Those first couple of years after you've converted, what was that journey like? I would say it was a very beautiful journey. You know, throughout my time in RCIA, you know, I, I definitely started going to mass pretty much every Sunday. Mm-hmm. You know, I couldn't receive, of course, but just that process of going to church in a regular way. I discovered Eucharistic adoration at that time. So I really believe that I got a lot of grace just from attending the mass and then going to adoration. I feel like my faith almost increased exponentially because of those mm-hmm. two things. And then once I was able to actually receive our Lord in communion, like I said, it was just like this beautiful snowball effect. And I just fell more deeply in love with the faith. The first few years after you do something like this, you almost become a little bit zealous. (laughs) So, you know, I was that person, like I have to convince the world Catholicism is true. And that I love, of course, I love Protestants and respect them. But, you know, you have this, this sense like they don't, have the fullness of the truth that we do, but my family wasn't really trying to hear it. You know, over time, of course, I stopped pushing as hard and focusing more on the prayer, just, you know, praying for them and praying for their conversion and just that they understand more of why I did what I did and accept it. So wonderful. Yeah. Well, I mean, I'm I'm always so happy to hear stories like this. And it's just so wonderful to see how a person's faith can grow and flourish Mm -hmm. and also the strength and the power that can come with that and the freedom that can come with that. So that's amazing. In terms of your work as a physician, first of all, praise God, we need more Catholic doctors out there (laughs) in the world. And you were mentioning how you're in obstetrics. There are a lot of challenges that can come with balancing the science and the medical fields. And of course, your personal faith and your morals and, and what it is that you believe in. Right. I would love to hear about what prompted you to go into medicine, because that's so cool. And I guess like, what is it that you do now, like on your day job, I guess, like when you are a physician? Sure. I think what inspired me to go into medicine was, as cliche as it sounds, love of helping people and wanting to help people. And I liked science, you know, in high school, really enjoyed like biology and and chemistry. And so that's kind of where it started for me. And then in college, you know, I opened up my mind. I actually ended up majoring in English and minoring in art. So I definitely have that more creative sort of mind, but I did appreciate the sciences as well. And when I finished undergraduate, I decided not to pursue medicine at that point. So I was kind of at the road of either taking a job as a teacher, first grade teacher, which I think I would have really enjoyed looking back. And then the other job was in public health. And I think medicine was still somewhere in the back of my mind. So I ended up not taking the first grade teacher job and I did the public health job. And I really enjoyed it. I started volunteering in the ICU at a hospital at that time. And I think it just kind of reinvigorated my love of science and wanting to go into medicine. And so, yeah, I ended up doing a post-bac program at that time and finishing my prerequisites for medical school and applying and yeah, getting into medical school. I started out in OBGYN, like I said, and a lot of challenges with that. I wasn't Catholic at the time when I started, 
So, you know, issues of like, you know, contraception or sterilization. Mm -hmm. Fortunately, the program that I was at really didn't do a whole lot of terminations, thank God. And it was something that you didn't have to participate in, you know, for religious reasons. So, of course, I never did. But it always bothered me knowing that did happen on occasion in my hospital. Ultimately, when I converted and then when I kind of looked back at everything, I realized that that was not the field that I was meant to be in for, for many reasons, but one of them being the challenges of, I think, being a truly you know, practicing Catholic OBGYN in a world that kind of demands those services. And so the field I'm in now is very different. It is preventive medicine and occupational medicine. And so I work with people who are in contact with hazardous substances at work or who have been exposed to hazardous things at work, and now they have chronic illnesses related to that. Mm -hmm. So it's a very interesting job. And I think like St. John said, basically as the physician, you're almost, and I'm not comparing myself to a priest, but she she sort of made the comparison that you do kind of see people in a very vulnerable state, in very vulnerable scenarios and situations. And we do have this sort of entry point into their lives to help them. And in a way that I think goes beyond just, you know, writing a prescription and here you go, but really talking to them and how are you? How's your daughter? How's the dog? You know, really having those personal conversations. And I know that's hard to do these days because medicine is so fast and, you know, you get that really short visit. But fortunately in my practice, we get 40 to 60 minute visits, which is a luxury. And so I really do have the time to talk to patients and, and make those connections. That's so important because like you said, doctors are in such high demand and they need to be everywhere at all times, it seems. Mm -hmm. So like you said, to have that opportunity to really journey with people, to really see them at their most vulnerable and, mm -hmm. and just be present for them is such a gift. Now that you're in this field, maybe you've been in it for some time now, like what have been some of the biggest joys and triumphs that have come from that? I think just seeing people when they do get better, not everybody does, you know, sometimes people have these chronic illnesses and it's just a matter of helping them to, I guess, live with that and deal with that. But it's always nice when, you know, someone does get better or a situation that they're in improves, you know, it could be something as simple as we help them get their, you know, workers' compensation case established because they're basically fighting and they're in court trying to get compensation for, you know, an injury or an illness that happened at work. So I think it, it's just those kind of little things, knowing that you're able to help someone through that. And a lot of the patients really do appreciate it. And I think they understand, you know, that there are limits to what we can do, but I do think they appreciate the effort. And I think for me, I always enjoyed that one-on-one -on -one connection with people and, and talking to people, just feeling that connection with the individual patient. And in preventive medicine, we do have this more population focus because public health is a big part of that. But I think not losing that one-on-one -on -one connection has been a blessing for me. Right. Doctors are so busy. So how do you find the time <laughs> to balance doing all this amazing work and then also do coaching? Yeah, that's a, that's a good question. <laughs> um, maybe I could be getting some more sleep. <laughs> I think when God puts an idea in your heart or has a purpose for your life, he gives you the resources to mm -hmm. make it happen. I think it's just grace. That's grace. So shall we dive into that? Like, you know, talking about this coaching practice of yours, the sure. feminine genius coaching, how did that come about? 
Okay. So that's a very good question. So I think like a lot of people who become coaches, you know, I was drawn to it because I was on my own personal development journey. Mm -hmm. And, you know, there were some areas in my life where I felt stuck. So I understand that feeling of stuckness, you know, very well. And I realized that I needed some extra support in those areas. And so along my journey, I found coaches for kind of different phases of that journey. And I started to notice a lot of shifts in my own life and in some of my own beliefs. As I started to heal certain things from my childhood and then grow, I developed this desire to want to help other women like me. And the truth is that none of the coaches that I worked with were coaching from like that Catholic lens. And, you know, as Christians, we have to be very careful about what we consume and what we take in. You know, there were some ideologies or some methods that I was like, okay, I can't really go down that pathway with you. So I kind of had to separate the wheat from the chaff, so to speak. But then I really think it was this desire to want to help other women who are like me, who maybe needed support or were searching, who, again, like my faith life wasn't really the problem. I was, you know, praying. I was going to daily mass at this point and going to adoration and all those things. But there were still some places where I couldn't make too much progress. And so that's what kind of inspired me to get into coaching in the first place. So, And then, of course, the Feminine Genius podcast, we have to talk about how you came in touch with this term. And do you remember when you first came across that term? And and what was it that struck you about it? Yeah, it was definitely John Paul II. I knew it was his term from the letter to women. And I remember reading that as part of some group that I was in a while back or some study that I had done as part of that group. So that was where I first came into contact with the term. But even with my own personal development journey, it actually really started with me wanting to learn more about femininity and feminine energy and what it meant to be a woman in the world, Catholic woman, a Black Catholic woman. And so how did God want me to use the gifts that he gave me but specifically as a woman, because that was how he made me. And I know these days there's such an agenda or a push to kind of nullify uh, people into just humans, not male or female, but we know that's not the truth. You know, he made us male and female and we're beautifully and gloriously different and that's okay. And we need to celebrate those differences. And so, yeah, I think that was where my journey started and it kind of evolved from there, but really it was the feminine genius part that brought me into personal development and really just learning and integrating that in my own life. And when I decided to start the business, I was agonizing actually over a name. I didn't want to use my name and I was just really praying about it. And I was in church one day and, you know, that's what came into my head, feminine genius coaching. And I remember texting a friend. I was like, how does this sound? And yeah, she was like, oh yeah, I like that. I I think I gave her like two or three different options. And she was like, yeah, feminine genius. (laughs) I love it. Yeah. Just because everything that you've just touched on, the fact that our identities as women are already so unique, but the point that you brought up, the different things that you're able to also add on to that because we're women, but within that Catholic femininity or even just femininity in general Mm -hmm. is so diverse and the different elements that you're able to bring to it are very different from what I can bring to it or what Mm -hmm. other listeners are able to bring to it. And in terms of journeying with different folks that you may have met Mm -hmm. so far in this practice, what has it been like when it comes to journeying with them? I think just being able to connect, and I work specifically with women, so I think just being able to connect with them and support them, because people are usually coming for coaching because 
they, again, they do feel stuck or there is a goal or a dream or something that they're wanting to achieve and maybe either spinning their wheels. So they're trying different things, but they're not able to fully achieve it. Or what I tend to find in like the Christian community is we have women who they have the prayer game, you know, solid. So praying 1000 novenas about certain things, but when it comes to like taking action and implementing that seems to be a lot of the problem. So Mm. I think helping women sort of get that it's okay to take action and it's okay to like go for something. Femininity doesn't mean passivity, um, but it does mean being open and receptive to what God is saying to you. And sometimes God is saying, but I need you to do this too. I need you to Mm. actually take these steps to get to this outcome. So this is when I get fired up because... (laughs) I I was definitely in that place for a while where I was praying, praying, praying. And I'm like, okay, Lord, I'm ready. Bless me. And God's like, you're not ready. (laughs) You're not ready for what you think you're ready for. So this is what I need you to do to to actually get ready. Mm -hmm. So it's that light bulb when the light bulb goes off and she gets it and she's in the game and she's like, okay, let's, let's do this together. And just like you said, we can have all of the prayers and be so spiritually prepared and just waiting for that blessing. But ultimately, there does come a time where we do have to like make that first step. And I know that in chatting with other people, it's that first step for whatever reason, where it's like, I don't want to make that first step because what if I'm doing it wrong? Or what if I'm going off on the deep end and I'm not sure where I'm going? It's terrifying. But I think the moments that we do make that first step, so many things can happen. And at least then like God can work with us because we're finally in motion and we're finally going somewhere. Exactly. God will work with you when you're willing to take that first step. And the thing is, just from a science perspective, you know, we learned that like a body at rest wants to stay at rest. So when you get stuck in this pattern of like not moving or not doing anything, it is really hard to get going. But once you get going and get that momentum rolling and you start seeing those wins and, you know, even if it's little small wins, but once you start picking those up, it's like, okay, gives you the momentum to like, keep going. Yeah. I like to imagine God is cheering you on. He's cheering me on saying, keep going, keep going because God doesn't even force us to serve him. You know? So I often will ask people, well, why do you think God is going to force this blessing on you or force this, whatever that you want on you, if you're not willing to meet him? so that you can get there with him, you know? And I appreciate that science aspect too. I mean, I think that that's a very fascinating thing to think about as well, because I think it's one thing to think about it in terms of your mindset or behavior, but literally to compare that to our physical bodies and also to recognize the fact that our feminine bodies are so different from that of men. So it's like, how can we work with ourselves and not work against ourselves in the way that society is, as you said so perfectly, it's like really nullifying the fact that we're all just the same and we're disregarding like the feminine nature of our bodies. And I think a lot of us, you know, if you grew up probably after the 60s, 70s, 80s, you know, and beyond, you probably grew up, you guaranteed you're probably disconnected from your feminine genius in some way because it's almost like we were told like, okay, you have to be strong. Don't cry. You know, put your big girl pants on. And it's almost like we're disconnected. We're so up here in our minds mm-hmm. and overthinking that we are disconnected from our hearts. And I feel like God really communicates with us through the heart and through almost our intuition. And it's that Holy Spirit connection that a lot of us don't necessarily feel connected to that. We're really good with the thinking. <laughs> almost <laughs> too good God, sometimes. 
Yeah, but not so much. Well, how do I feel? Like, how does this person or situation, how do I feel about it? So mm-hmm. I feel so seen right now. Yeah. <laughs> For the overthinking. Oh my goodness. But I mean, like, that's incredible that there are women like yourself who are cheering other women on journeying with people. And I think, Claudine, like one of the things that I'm starting to see here with your own story and what you've shared today is that in every facet of your life, as a physician or in this coaching business, you have this heart for journeying with other people and walking with them and, you know, helping them to get to a destination, whether it's helping them to get better or over an illness or to get the compensation they need or to get unstuck and achieve their dreams. Mm -hmm. And how does that make you feel? Yeah, I guess I never really thought about it quite <laughs> quite that way. So thank you actually for making that parallel for me. But yeah, I love working with people in general. So whether that's through coaching, whether that's through medicine, I guess, yeah, I am called to provide some type of counsel or some type of support to people. And it makes me feel good to know that I can support people and, and help them to kind of move forward in whatever way feels best for them and in their lives. And I think just help them to strengthen their faith and confidence in, in God, because I feel like the world offers us one perspective, which is you can do it. It's you. It's all up to you. And I don't really take that position. I think it's me working with God. It's like a partnership. It's the two of us working together. It's not this passive, come on, God, where are you? Bless me. It's okay, God, I know you can do anything. Let me work with you. So yeah, I mean, if I can help to spread that message and maybe this is my ministry of sorts, because I never really felt like I was an evangelizer and I know we're all called to evangelize in some way. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I've been starting to think maybe this is the way that God is going to use me in this world in some way. So yeah, that makes me feel really, really good. That's wonderful. You know, you help women in your practice, you know, achieve this unstuckness. And you do that through showing them the feminine genius and what mm-hmm. that might look like in their lives. Have you seen that in your own life? That's yeah, that's a really good question. And I think for me, the feminine genius really permeates everything in my life right now. Both my faith life, it seems richer because I have a deeper relationship with God. And I do feel like I can just tell him anything, you know, I tell, tell him how I'm really feeling. It's not always this pious, you know, perfect relationship. Sometimes I'm not happy about this, you know? So I think it's just helped me to be more real and more honest with myself and how I'm feeling and and my relationship with God. Definitely it's affected my relationships with other people, you know, both men and women, just how I am embodied as a woman, how I physically, how I'm in my body and how I'm moving through the world. And of course, how I am working with other people, whether it is in my day job or, you know, my, my coaching practice. So I think overall, my life feels more, more joyful and colorful. And this has been a journey for me too, even in, in starting this practice. So I'm learning faith and surrender and trust as well. So I feel like everything that I'm going through and have gone through, I'm able to bring that experience to my clients. And yeah. Wow. Claudine, thank you so much for your openness and I cannot stress enough how important it is to meet women like you who are helping to journey with other women and also the fact that you're a doctor. And I think particularly like in this time of COVID, recognize that we're still in this pandemic, even to have women like you who are doctors and helping to take good care of people like us. Thank you so much for for all that you do. 
And thank you too, again, thank you for having me. Oh, of course. Yeah. Claudine, would you be able to lead us in a closing prayer? Yes, absolutely. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Dear God, we thank you for the blessing of today, for the gift of life. And we thank you so much for the opportunity to come together for this discussion. And thank you for the gift of the feminine genius, for helping women to reconnect with the way that you've made them and the beauty that's already inside of them. Lord, we pray that you'll help those who are struggling and need healing. And we pray that those who don't know you will come to receive the gift of faith. And we come against any form of fear in our lives because we know that fear is not of you. And I ask that you'll bless the women who will listen to this interview, as well as the past and future interviews of this podcast. And please continue to bless Rachel and her ministry. And we ask all of these things in Jesus's name and through the intercession of Our Lady. Amen. Claudine, thank you again so much. Thank you, Rachel. My thanks again to Claudine Noel for joining me on the Feminine Genius Podcast today. And in particular, I'm so grateful that she shared her story and all of those words of encouragement. Let's work with God rather than waiting on Him. He is cheering us on every single day, every moment of the day. You can learn more about Claudine by checking out her website, FeminineGeniusCoaching.com. And you can find her on Facebook and Instagram at Feminine Genius Coaching. I've left links to these in the episode description below. You can stay up to date with the Feminine Genius Podcast by following us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. We're at FemGeniusPod. And you can listen to this podcast wherever you listen to your podcasts, including Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, Stitcher, and many other podcast platforms. All of this information can be found on our website, FeminineGeniusPodcast.com. We'll talk to you soon, and God bless always.